Good morning. Thanks for coming out to the Cato Institute in Washington, D.C. today. My name is Kat Murthy. I am the digital marketing manager here at Cato. And you are at our monthly new media lunch, where social and digital marketing professionals from the Liberty World come together to discuss strategy. The hashtag for this lunch series is New Media Lunch. Please feel free to join in the conversation on Twitter and Instagram. For those of you watching on the live stream, you can also tweet in your questions for after the presentation. Uh, our guest today is Sean Evans, who's the Partnerships Manager for Government and Politics at Twitter. Uh, he, Sean is part of a team driving creative use of the platform by government officials, agencies, and campaigns to help them educate and inform citizens, increase responsiveness, and collect actionable feedback on public opinion. Prior to joining Twitter, Sean worked at the House Administration Committee, where he focused on franking um, communications and member and communication services, and served as floor assistant to the chairman. He's also had, held other positions within the US House, US Senate, and the FBI, as well as with the nonpartisan Cook political report during the 2008 election cycle. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in political science from Rhodes College in Memphis, Tennessee, and a master's in government from John Hopkins University. You can follow him on Twitter at Evans. Great. Thanks, Kat. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Um, you can and should follow me on Twitter at Evans, and it's an odd spelling. Uh, it's E-V-I-N-S, so I'd recommend you go ahead and doing that. Uh, the best way to get followers is to ask, right? Um, so we'll go ahead and get started here. Um, so I do work for the government and politics team at Twitter. Small team, there's three of us. We handle all levels of government across the world, um, local, state, federal, and international. Um, we also work with nonprofits a lot. So this presentation today is going to be a combination of examples that work in government for best practices, things that you should be doing, things that if you're already doing, maybe think about them a little bit differently. Um, and I've got a couple, hopefully some fun things in there as well. Uh, and obviously, we're happy to take questions at the end. Um, but we're going to walk through some, some basics and some more advanced techniques, techniques to get you uh, either running a little bit better on Twitter um, or at least have a little bit more fun with it. So with that, thank you, Kat. And here we go. So it took three and a half years, excuse me, two and a half years to get to the first billion tweets ever sent. We do that every two days today every two days. So there are more tweets sent in a couple day period than had ever been sent prior to the 2008 election since the beginning of the starting of Twitter. We now have over 230 million monthly active users and we get over 400 million unique hits to the website every month. So if you're trying to reach an audience, they might not have a Twitter account, but they can still visit your Twitter account. They can still see your tweets. So Twitter started as a mobile first platform. 76% of our users are on mobile. If you're not trying to reach your audience via mobile device, you're not reaching them the way that they want to be reached. I guarantee you everybody in the room now has something similar to this, if not also the iPad that's sitting right there. Everybody has one now. Everybody, everybody's doing it, right? If you're not reaching the audience again the way that they want to be reached with a mobile device, you're not reaching them effectively. The days of a strictly hard mail campaign to reach an audience or over. And any mail vendor will tell you out there that there's a three second rule when it comes to hard mail. If you're not capturing their attention in three seconds, 
then you've lost them. So, reach them on mobile devices, that's how they're getting it. You can't read that, that says Twitter is the global town square. Our CEO coined that phrase and, and likes, we like to use it in all of our presentations because it rings true. Back in the days, and I think we'll all appreciate this, uh, all being lovers of liberty here, by the way, love the Wi-Fi password, that's fantastic. Um, in the old days, really, really old days, when political theory really had first started, they didn't have things like this. These were called the town squares. Everybody would come to the town square to talk, to sell their goods and their items and their services, and come together to talk politics, to talk sports, to talk anything that they wanted. We do that today on Twitter. Twitter really is the global town square. If you're not using Twitter to find information out there, and find your interests and the interests of those that matter to you, then you're not using it effectively. There's just as much information on there to find on Twitter as there is to say something. So it really is the global town square and the internet is in our pants. Twitter is most importantly a real-time information network. There is nothing that is as fast. In fact, we are faster than an earthquake. You look at this, is anybody here, was anybody not here in 2011 when the earthquake happened? Okay, great, so everybody remembers the earthquake. It took 30 seconds for that earthquake to travel up the eastern seaboard and be felt in Manhattan. But people in Manhattan already knew it was coming because they found out about it on Twitter in 15 seconds. As a result of that, the US Geological Survey is actually using Twitter data to help predict earthquakes because it's faster than what they're currently using. Now, I'm not saying I'm not knocking government there, it's not having good equipment, but I'm just saying they're using Twitter data because it's very rare, I'm sure, if right now, if we felt an earthquake here, it's very rare to have 75 people tweeting earthquake in DC, very rare. So they would see that information and then say, wow, there's something happening there. So we are faster than an earthquake. Most importantly, when it comes to our space, is that the people that use Twitter to talk about politics and government and issues are the people that are the opinion leaders. They're the people that are more likely to vote, to encourage their friends to vote, to show up to a meeting, to show up to a town hall, to participate in other forms of political communication. There was a study that was published by, I think it was the University of Texas, um, that showed that people that actively engage their Twitter followers, those followers trust that connection more than they do really the opinions of friends and family in a lot of cases. If you're, let's say, a political candidate and you're engaging back and forth with somebody, that person is much more likely to feel that connection and less likely to be swayed by friends that might disagree with them politically. Talking the TV piece. Is everybody here guilty of the same thing I'm of, which is watching television with, again, one of these, or an iPad? Seriously, raise, raise your hands if, if, you, if you do that even every now and then. Okay, this, is, this was not true five years ago. This was not true three years ago. Two years ago, the Super Bowl had 50% of the commercials had hashtags. This year, 100% of them did. Most television shows now have hashtags because they want to see the conversation. You're getting the couch conversation, like you're sitting there watching the show with everybody else in the world. Did anybody see the, uh, the guy that tightrope walked the Grand Canyon? Did anybody watch that? Like a few months ago, that was insane. Yeah, did you watch it on Twitter too? Next time you see something that daring, go ahead and watch it on Twitter um, because I was looking at the hashtag and refreshing it, sitting on my couch, and it was like I was experiencing the exact same moment with everybody, all the millions of people that were watching that in the world at the same time. It was incredible. So 85% of folks out there using their device at least once a month, 40% use it daily. 
again, if you're not reaching them the way that they want to be reached, you're not going to reach them at all. I've got an example to show the importance of an on-air call-out with a hashtag and how quickly people respond on Twitter. And hopefully you can hear the sound. Today, Mr. Deputy Speaker, the Chancellor joined Twitter. He could have got it all into 140 characters. Growth down, borrowing up, families hit, and millionaires laughing all the way to the bank. Hashtag downgraded Chancellor. Mr. Deputy Speaker, more of the same is not the answer to the problems of the last three years. This was in the British Parliament. When they had that on-air call-out, that was the real-time reaction of people watching at home that tweeted using the hashtag that he told them to, to use. As you can see before, even if you couldn't hear it, right before that, it was relatively even. There was a moderate level of conversation around each one. As soon as he had the on-air call-out, people responded immediately. What that tells you, it's not that people are, are just willing to tweet. It shows you that they're doing it immediately, in real time, which means people are watching with one of these. If you give the on-air shout-out, they're going to respond. We saw that uh, in the 2012 primary debates. We had a, a, a little integration called uh, Answer Dodge. It was the Answer Dodge debate, if anybody saw that, where you could watch the debate in real time and be tweeting if you thought the candidate answered the question or dodged the question. And we saw that feedback to be indicative of who was going to actually win the South Carolina GOP primary, and we were right. So, has anybody watched the Oscars? And if you didn't, are you familiar with this tweet? Or if not, are you familiar with Ellen? Hopefully that covers most people. This tweet was, and still is, the most retweeted tweet of all time. This is the largest reach of any tweet that we've ever seen in the seven years that Twitter's been around. Almost over 3 million times, nearly 3.5 million retweets. What makes this so special? It was a televised event. Obviously, you have quite a cast and crew here. But take a look at this. If you're not familiar with headlines, that's a feature that we added not too long ago. It shows you, it essentially gives context to the tweets. So if you see this, you've got this tweet that was incredibly popular and inc incredibly well retweeted. But it's also below the tweet down here. It shows you where that tweet was embedded. And let's assume that you weren't watching the Oscars and you just came across that tweet because a buddy retweeted it. You could then right below that see related headlines and see the context behind the story. That is an incredibly powerful feature. So I would absolutely recommend you paying attention to those. See where stories are being embedded. If you're not embedding them yourself, do it. Embed tweets on a website. Push your content out there to journalists to embed on their websites. Because then if I came across it, but I didn't know the story behind it, I didn't know the campaign or the initiative that you were running, but I saw those headlines, I could automatically get context behind it. This is the reach of Ellen's tweet. One tweet. Almost 14,000 embeds. This was at the time 2.4 million retweets and the day after it. 8.1 million people seen it and 32.8 million million views. Is everybody familiar with Stand With Rand? Right? There was one tweet sent by the Campaign for Liberty that got retweeted 44 times. That's it. At the time, it got retweeted 44 times. And people took that one tweet and spread that message, and it got well over one and a half million tweets with the hashtag. You can start something quickly, and it takes the right kind of content that's going to be retweeted and spread and get your message taken from just your audience and reaching a much larger one. As a result, you can hit millions. So how do you do that? The tweet method. 
and this is something that we work often with nonprofits to, to try to perfect. It's pretty easy. Target, treat it like any other campaign. Do you have an editorial calendar for your tweets or what's coming up, how you're going to plan? You should. What's your goal? What are you trying to get out of it? As we've established, there's so many people that are on mobile devices daily, watching TV, engaging, and interacting with others. You should be building and putting just as much thought into how you're organizing your Twitter account as you do anything else, if not more, because it is real time. You've got to be prepared for when the moment strikes. So what's your goal? You can have an information account that's spreading information about your particular you know, group or campaign. And that's pretty basic. It's an informational account. you know. Or you can have a very personalized account. And we've seen that accounts that have an individual behind it, it's not the brand, can actually drive substantially more traffic, nearly two and a half times more traffic to the brand itself. Take a look at Bill Clinton, obviously former president, obviously very popular. But Clinton joined the platform after he already had Clinton Foundation. As soon as he joined and put in his bio that he's former president of the United States, but also you can find at Clinton Foundation, the amount of traffic going to Clinton Foundation, the amount of followers, the amount of engagement they had shot up substantially. It makes sense. People trust an individual and unique voice much more than they trust a brand. Also support accounts. If you have an event, create a support account for it. Make that an informational account that's also very interactive. So with this, the Twestival, <laughs> they set up a, essentially in Edinburgh, they set up a Twitter festival and they created an account for it. Right now we have the Twitter Fiction Festival that's going on. I'd encourage you to take a look at that too. It's not just promoting your brand, but it's actually promoting a, a much greater cause and something that people can all interact with. If you're familiar with the account at Sweden, has anybody ever seen that? It's easily the most, I'm surprised, it's the, easily the most democratic thing I've ever seen. At Sweden is controlled by the government of Sweden, okay? Every week, a different Swede gets an opportunity to tweet anything they want for the entire week. It's an account takeover every single week. So if you think about that, in the course of a year, you have 52 different Swedes. Different races, different genders, different ages, different poverty levels, different income levels, different everything. As a result, over the course of a year, you get a really good snapshot of what life is like. And it's completely unfiltered. They can say anything they want to. It's incredibly democratic. I would encourage you to think about something like that. It's pretty cool. So once you have your plan in place and understand how you're going to organize and set up your campaign, then you have to write your tweets. So I have to use Ellen again. I thought this was pretty cool. I didn't want to you know, worry about the politics of putting up political accounts. So don't be afraid. Be yourself. She's a comedian. That's pretty funny. James Cameron. Not quite as funny, but still not bad. But don't be afraid to be yourself. I feel like far too often, and I'll, I'll use this metaphor, and some of you that, that I know in the room have heard me use this a thousand times, but I feel like in government and in the space that we're all in and we all enjoy, people use social media and Twitter like they're behind the podium giving a formal speech, a formal address. That doesn't work as well. I mean, it works, but that's not how you really build the connections with people. Nobody shows up to a speech to hear every single word and hang on every single word. Take a step from behind the podium and interact with the audience a little bit. You know, come out here and talk to people and get to know them. Be, your, be yourself. Show your personality. It works. Content matters. I cannot, cannot stress that enough. If you're not using photos, you're not getting the reach that you should be. Photos by government accounts and related in the government space get somewhere between, you know, two and a half and three and a half times the reach of a normal tweet. Use photos. Use pic.twitter links. 
use links and articles. And if you see this feature, the Twitter card, it actually expands. You can build your own headline there when you tweet out a link. You can make Twitter much more than, oh, this is you know, what I ate for breakfast. Or this is what we're doing. Or more importantly, after this meeting, if I see another tweet that says, oh, click here to read our press release, and it takes me away from Twitter and takes me to a website where I have to then pinch on my iPhone to try to find the content, I'm not going to read it. And I'm not the only one. I think most people will not. Because nobody wants to sit on their phone and pinch in to try to find the content. They want the content how they want it. I want it delivered to me like this, where I know what's going on. I want the photo right there, where I know what's going on. Be authentic and be yourself. Everybody familiar with Chuck Grassley at least a little bit? Is anybody familiar with this moment where he ran over a deer in Iowa? Well, he did. Chuck Grassley was driving down the road with a buddy, and he ran over a deer. And you notice that he misspelled highway, which much to the chagrin of his communications team, they can't stand that he tweets himself often, uh, but his constituents love it because they know it's him. Nobody, there's not a communicator in the world that's going to intentionally misspell highway. So he hit a deer, pulled over, assumed you're dead. Okay, that was a very personal moment. But what that led to was <laughs> a policy rationale. He had another experience too. But it led to a policy rationale that eventually people saw his tweets and they started reaching out to his office saying, oh, I live on that highway too. There's really bad lighting. And because the deer season was not lengthened this year, we have an overpopulation of deer. Taking that personal moment leading to that policy rationale, then you can have the feedback loop where he can send out a tweet and send out emails and call people and saying, okay, I appreciate your feedback. I've now reached out to the state house about legislation to extend the deer season. And we're going to put better lighting on that highway. And as a result, those three times saw this kind of growth from his account. It's not an accident. This is the kind of growth that you see when you actually engage people. Another great government story we have of being authentic and being yourself, uh, Claire McCaskill. So lover policies, hater policies, doesn't really matter. In this moment, she's one of the best. She was in a Walmart in her district, or in her state, and somebody tweeted at her, OMG, I think I just saw Claire McCaskill at Walmart. And McCaskill responded and said, yeah, I'm on aisle five, come say hello. <laughs> now you could be, you know, you don't know if that person's a Republican or a Democrat. You don't know if they're even that politically engaged. I mean, hopefully enough to see her and know who she was. But it tells you more important things. It tells you that the senator is in the state. It tells you that the senator is shopping herself. She's not staffing it out, which most people think they probably do. She also shops where her constituents shop. And she's not only responsive to people, but she's also approachable. One tweet sends a much more powerful message than I think most of us think it does. On to transparency. I know a lot of people are worried about sending a tweet that might cause problems, and I completely understand that. So see, you know, pay attention to who has the keys to the castle, obviously. But the American Red Cross, I think, you know, does a, a very good job on Twitter. And they, I, th I think they do a great service in real life as well. But they had somebody that tweeted on the left about basically <laughs> getting, getting pretty drunk, which if you're the Red Cross, that's obviously not your stated purpose. And more importantly, it actually damages uh, your credibility and your brand a little bit. I'm using this as an example because I think the way that they handled it um, obviously, you know, there's no silver bullet here, but the way they handled it, because it had been so, by the time that they caught it, it had been retweeted so many times, it was already a story. If you delete it without explanation, it looks bad. 
they were able to get the person, the communicator, to say, rogue tweet, rogue tweet from the Red Cross account due to my inability, taking blame. And then the Red Cross followed it up saying, rest assured, the Red Cross is sober and we've confiscated the keys. <laughs> and then they moved on. So be yourself, be authentic, show some transparency, pay attention. Twitter is best because it is conversational and it's real time and it's distributable. No other platform is like that. There are algorithms on others that show and surface certain content, but on Twitter, it's engaging. It's a two-way two street, it's a two-way platform. So with the NTSB and the Asiana flight, they were the first to, to really break a lot of information around the story. And we're seeing that from a lot of different accounts, government and non-government where instead of waiting until you have literally every single piece and then putting out a 15-page statement, people want information on Twitter like it's the AP wire or a news ticker. If you find something, put it out. Get it out there in a tweetable, quotable moment and continue to put that information out there. NTSB, as a result, was the, really the, the people on the record for this. Does anybody remember the Navy Yard shooting? Um, we worked very closely with uh, the US Navy to get you know, their account up to speed and then that happened. And as a result, they had the tools in place, they knew how to do it, and they were the ones that were tweeting out information. That is verified information coming from the Navy. They were able to work with people on the ground to make sure they were retweeting the right things, and as a result, it was their account that was considered the resource. Oh, and more importantly, real-time fact-checking, NTSB right here. Somebody tweeted, is this the first time they've live tweeted a crash investigation? And they said, it's not the first time. It's actually part of our standard operating procedure. They are using Twitter to break news information and be a real-time fact checker. Again, no surprise, but this is what happens to their followers. You can probably all hopefully tell the point where their followers shot through the roof because they were on top of it. So. What does that mean? Routinely at reply, be engaging, like actively have conversations with people on Twitter. I have to use Oprah in this example, just because I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, you know, she is viewed by many as just an incredible celebrity that probably never takes the time to tweet herself, always has a staffer do it, and that's not true. She responds routinely to people, which means that anybody has a chance to get responded to. Have to use State Department here because I think this is a good example of how to use Twitter during an event. Love the politics, hate the politics, doesn't matter. They did a live Q&A with the Secretary Clinton before she was leaving, and they threw tweets on air, and they used tweets as the questions. They were not selected by a moderator days earlier. They were selected in the moment, which means while she was answering one question, other people were following up saying, no, 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 you didn't answer that well enough, or I actually have a follow-up to that. And because it's a real-time event and because Twitter is a real-time platform, you're able to cultivate those questions immediately, put them on air, and really give people that are in the room and also outside of the room a sense that they have a chance to answer the questions or ask the questions that matter. So using hashtags, again, to brand an event like we're doing here, that's fantastic. I'm sure all of you know that. It works. And routinely at replying to people during events works. If you live tweet an event, if you engage in a Q&A, you're going to see a follower bump. 
Content matters. If you take a look at the photo on the left, Department of the Interior, nobody gets that shot. Nobody does. I mean, unless you're in Marine One with the president, nobody gets that shot. Nobody has that vantage point. Nobody has that angle. Much like on the right, Astro Karen was awesome account to follow. She was on the International Space Station. She took that and tweeted it from the International Space Station. So if we're able to tweet from space and engage from space, why aren't we doing it that often here? She was taking questions live from space about when people would ask how she does her hair in space. She was also posting photos of her kids' artwork that they would tweet at her and email her. She was giving people a perspective and an insight into a world that literally none of us know, unless any of you are former astronauts mm -hmm. or went to space camp, I guess. But this is incredible. This is giving people a perspective. Right now, all I'm the, uh, Kat and I are the only ones in the room that have a completely different perspective from everybody here. If I were to take a photo now and tweet that out, it's a different, it's a different view. That works. It's very effective. So, encouraging hashtag action, using it to push content. World Water Day. If you don't follow Charity Water or you're not familiar with it, do it. They're a fantastic account. They give, essentially, people that need clean water, clean water. And they basically would allow somebody to celebrate their birthday on the Charity Water account and tweet at them and promote clean water for different people. Marco Rubio, we all remember, I'm sure, what happened with him at the State of the Union response. He then took to Twitter, not only right afterwards, which was fantastic, but also here, saying, I had clean water when I needed it. 800 million don't. I'm joining with Charity Water to help change that. Charity Water birthdays, and he tweeted that out. It was fantastic, and it works. Vine, is anybody familiar with Vine? Unfamiliar with Vine? Use it, love it, hate it? Great. Vine works, especially when you're encouraging hashtag action with Vine. People you know, see tweets all the time. They love photos. They love encour engaging, encouraging content. And they also love the personality that is able to be shown using a Vine video. So the Red Campaign did this on Vine. They, instead of just saying, like, hey, we're, we're doing this campaign, I would encourage you to, to pay attention, they made creative videos for it. They encouraged people to get involved and retweet it. And as a result, it went relatively viral. Encouraging people that are you know, on the street to promote and pay attention to your account and retweet your content and share that with others, encouraging hashtag action, especially with Vine, is really, really fantastic. We've got some good examples in the government world. And I'll get to those in just a hot second. But We've made some changes to Vine in the last couple months. So instead of you, know, you not being able to save any Vines, now you're able to. Instead of not being able to change the way in which the, you know, the Vine video, the six second video was presented, now you can edit it. So you should be using it if you're not. I would encourage you to, to play around with it a little bit more. And you can work on multiple posts. So you can actually do a time lapse if you wanted to. You, know, you could say, here's you know, a day. Here's the day in the life. And take a, hot, take a second in the morning and then throughout the rest of the day to cover something. This is Christy on the campaign trail in November. And I like this Vine because he's showing a very personal moment with a woman that has never previously voted Republican. Instead of just saying, I just met somebody that's never voted Republican in her life, and now she's voting Republican, he showed it with a Vine video. 
Claire McCaskill showing what it's like behind the scenes on Air Force One with the President of the United States. Again, literally no people get that kind of view. And she was able to show that, and it was incredibly, incredibly popular. You can also narrate data stories. These really don't take that much time. They really don't take that much staff effort, but they tell a much larger story than just saying 47 you know, million are on SNAP. You can show that. There's great examples in Congress and the Senate. There's great examples in state legislatures. There's great examples in foreign governments and random heads of state around the world. You know, There's a police department in France that uses Vine and Twitter in a fantastic light to get people engaged and let people know what's going on. If you haven't played around with Vine, play around with Vine. Tell a story. Using Twitter to search and discover and explore the content that's out there is vital. How many of you use Twitter regularly for search to find content? Okay. If I'm invited back next year, I would expect that to be every hand up. There is an incredible amount of content on Twitter. Again, there's a billion tweets every two days. You can find the content that's out there and actually break it down with advanced search techniques. Right now, you, I'm sure all of you could be searching the hashtag New Media Lunch. You could search hashtag New Media Lunch and only find tweets with photos. You could search hashtag New Media Lunch and only find tweets from five miles of Phoenix, Arizona, if you wanted to. <laughs> I could do a search right now and find every tweet mentioning music, excluding Justin Bieber, with photos from five miles of DC from verified users of a list I created, if I wanted to. I could then surface any kind of content from any tweet that, show, that had any retweets above 250, which means I'm only seeing tweets from the most active content. Very powerful. If you're not using Twitter search, you should be. Here's some of the examples, like I just said. I can filter verified, I can filter from a list within X amount of miles with photos, with links, and with videos. So, tracking conversation. I'm going to talk, it's going to go a little bit back into the search stuff, but I want to show you how better to track it. If you're, how many of you are using lists regularly? Okay, that's also not enough. We need to build that up a little bit. You can use Twitter lists. You don't have to follow them. You can add them to a list. You could create a list of experts in your field or people that have visited your office or people in different states that help you out, that you know are your supporters. You could then, you don't have to follow all of them. You can add them to a list and it helps you categorize it. And you could also, if you wanted to provide a resource, you could create a list of every expert in your field. And then you could send out a tweet saying, hey, are you interested in you know, what any of these people have written recently? Any experts? I've, we've created this Twitter list for you and take a look at their most recent tweets. It's a, that's a mutual relationship there. It builds both sides. So I would encourage you to play around with lists. And I would also encourage you, when I get to TweetDeck next slide, to import those lists into a TweetDeck column and then filter it. Right now, I help, I help manage the Twitter government account at Gov. We have a list of people participating in the G8 summit and governors and House members and senators. I don't have to follow thousands of accounts to find out what's going on on Twitter. I can organize them in a list, and then I can search within that list to find any kind of content that I want. 
So this is TweetDeck. If you're, how many of you are using TweetDeck? If you haven't used TweetDeck in a while, I would really encourage you to use it. Really, really would. So you can set these columns up. I've got my home timeline. I've got notifications, so I know anytime somebody's mentioning me. I could set up a notification timeline for any time Cat was mentioned. Or for that matter, people that might oppose a policy of mine or something that I want to know. I want to know what they're tweeting. I can set up a column for any time you tweet just to see it, just to annoy you if I wanted to. I could do that. I will. All right. I could do that. You can do it too. You don't have to follow the person. You can set up a column and see what's going on, see what's out there. It's a public platform. Take advantage of it. I can also filter based on lists. So I added a column for members of the United States House of Representatives. I can then filter that list and find this content on the right. I can find members of the House that have tweeted about anything that have more than 50 retweets. I can also do, I, you know, this was a while ago, but I searched for hashtag GOP near Orlando, Florida. And then I added a column for to see any time the Florida Democrats were mentioned by anybody. It's an incredibly powerful tool. So if you're not using it to track geographic locations, other app mentions, different lists, or filtering by engagement and by hashtag, we've got some work to do. Stand to help, and that means you know, any kind of best practice advice, that means any kind of support you need if you, know, if you guys are locked out or, God forbid, something happens and your email address gets hacked and that gets into your Twitter account, we can help that out. If you get impersonated, we can help that out as well. If you have any other questions, happy to take those. Um, and we're in the question portion now, and so I've been encouraged to tell you not to live tweet the questions. Oh, no, we're actually... Um so I'm actually going to, sorry, Sean, we're going to ask a couple moderator questions and oh, take good. any questions from Twitter, after which we do shut off the live stream for the people in the room. Yeah, so abs you can absolutely live tweet this and continue to follow yes. myself and Kat. And you can continue else. to follow at Evans on Twitter. Um, so Twitter's recently been uh, changing around several different things with the news feed. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the, the rollouts and the changes that are coming? Sure. Or have been. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, little little known fact here. I'm actually n I'm not an engineer, so I can't speak too much to the coding of things. But what I can tell you is, we are constantly trying to make improvements to the platform to to make it easier to use. We're going to roll out, you know, with our photos and our new timelines and our new profile pages. It's going to be more, you know, photo centric. So you're going to be have the ability to have a larger photo. Um, you're going to have the ability to, you know see it in a little bit different light, which, has anybody had the new profile rollout yet? Okay, good. You seen it? Thoughts on it? Yeah, get used to it, okay. What we're trying to do is constantly build in items into the tweets themselves. As we continue to expand and roll out Twitter cards, which as I showed earlier, expand articles or expand you know, photos in a photo tweet, um, we want to make that, be able to see that easier. And so that's why we've made some changes to the, the profile redesign. Great. Uh, just because you already mentioned it, um, I'm going to do something a little different than what I usually do, and I'm going to skip to a Twitter question and come back. Uh, Katie okay. T. Thompson uh, tweeted, can you tell me more about Twitter cards? They seem awesome. They are awesome, actually. <laughs> um, and again, you know, what, what we want to do is make Twitter the place where 
people can go for information and really not have to leave. And, and if you go into a Twitter card, let's say, that has an article, you can click on the tweet, see an ex expansion of the article, and if you click the article link, you stay there. And you get the full experience. We want to make Twitter a very robust, or continue to make Twitter a very robust platform. So Twitter cards enable you to do more than just 140 characters, essentially. And so we're, we have photo cards, video cards, article cards, um, and we're, you know, with, with the ads team, we're actually rolling out, I'm not sure when, because I'm not on the sales team, um, but different cards that enable for um, even potentially everything from, from polling or voting to other different concepts. So we'll look for continued improvements and advances in Twitter card technology. So you definitely highlighted photos several times uh, during your presentation. And I've noticed with the new rollout, it pulls out photos uh, right next to the following um, under your cover photo and avatar. Um, what, what else is Twitter doing to encourage more use of multimedia? And why was that decision made? Well, what we've seen, I, I talked about it a little bit. Um, the tweets that have photos and video links, especially in the government world, get substantially more retweets. And I think that's and more engagement in general. And I think that's because people, and you see this on Instagram, you see this on Facebook. I mean, those kind of medium are, are what people like to see when they're going through Twitter. I mean, I guarantee you we all use it the same way. If you're scrolling through your timeline and you see a photo right there, you're going to at least take a look at it. And so knowing that and knowing that's the behavior and the engagement and that's how people want to share their moments. Again, we're trying to make Twitter more than just 140 characters by supplementing that with, with photos. And so you know, you've seen it now, it auto expands the photo instead of having to take the step to click and then expand it, it's right there. So we're gonna continue to build things out like that um, to make it a more, I guess, easily, easily accessible and more robust. So connected to that, it seems like Twitter changed the dimensions for photos that show up in the newsfeed. Um, Got some specs for you right now. Great. So the photo dimensions actually, if everybody really interested to write this down. The longest side of the photo is uh, 1,024 pixels, so 1024. Um, and that, that applies to photos with aspect ratios, you know, horizontal, square, and vertical, so every photo. Mm -hmm. um, and the orientation is two to one aspect ratio for okay. horizontal and landscape orientation. The size limit's three megabytes for your photos. And any more questions like related to that or the specifics, and I think with examples, you can actually go to I think it's help.twitter.com and also support.twitter.com. And on that, actually, there's one site I did not mention that I think is a, a very good and beneficial site for all of you to, to go and visit, and that's uh, media.twitter.com. So technically, I'm on the government and politics team, which falls under the media team. And I have colleagues that do what I do um, for sports athletes and teams and musicians and celebrities and faith groups. I mean, my, my colleague that's based out of Atlanta was the one that got the Pope on Twitter. You know, like things like that. It's, it's interesting. So we've got all these great case studies and all these great examples from folks really all over the world in all these different areas at media.twitter.com. We write them up. We, we discuss them a lot. And we're able to, you know, constantly document the positive things that are happening. Great. I have one more question for me. And then we'll go back to questions from Twitter. It seems like we've got a couple rolling in. Um, so Twitter's ad buy-in can be a bit prohibitively expensive for some folks at nonprofits. Um, when would it make sense to uh, run an ad campaign on Twitter? Sure. 
Um, well, again, I'm not on the, on the sales team, so I can't speak too much to that, but I do know that we actually have, we offer a self-service platform, which is no minimum buy. So you're actually able to, to go to, uh, I think it's advertising or ads.twitter.com and be able to actually run your own with no minimum buy. Um, so for me, like taking the second part of the question, when is the best time? My job is to get accounts and the account managers and the people that are involved in the Twitter account up to the point where when something happens and they want to expand their reach even further, they have a good account to fall back on. My job is to build the best practices and you know, the, the best uses of the, campaign, of the account. So the best time to advertise and use Twitter promoted products from my end is once you have your account you feel comfortable where you can take advantage of a moment. So if you see what's trending in a, a general area and you want to tap into that, Promote a tweet, promote your account. You can find lookalike accounts, you can find, based on search keywords, different ways to advertise and reach a different audience. And if you know there's gonna be traction on a particular hashtag or if it's on a certain day and you know it's gonna be talked about a lot, you have the ability to get your account in front of a much larger audience than you otherwise would have. So I would recommend, again, harnessing the moments and taking advantage of that and being creative. You know, Oreo did a really unbelievable job, uh, not this past Super Bowl, but during the blackout where they, you know, as soon as the blackout happened, the Oreo people sent out a tweet that said, and they promoted it, saying you can still dunk in the dark. It's brilliant. It got huge, it got very well trafficked. And as a result, it was Super Bowl, but they promoted it and they get a much larger reach than they would have with anything else. Coupling it with television, as I talked about at the beginning, coupling it with television is vital. Using search to find out what people are talking about in a given moment, in a given day, around a particular topic might allow you to understand that people are using a different hashtag than you thought they were, and then you can target that. Taking advantage of the moment. Great, so we're gonna take uh, questions from Twitter now. Uh, if you are watching on the live stream and have questions, uh, now is your time to tweet it in because we'll be cutting off the live stream after we answer the questions. Anyone in the room, you can hold them for afterwards. Um, Joe Jensen asks, <laughs> what are the best ways to optimize tweets for mobile? Best way to optimize tweets for mobile? Mm -hmm. Thanks for the question, Joe. I've seen you asked a few today, actually, so that's good. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the tweets work pretty consistently across the platforms, so I would recommend you know, using the best practices. And I think for, for organizations like yours, instead of, if, you're, if most of your audience is going to be reaching it via mobile anyway, save your hyperlink to the end. So if you're tweeting out a press release, Tweet it out in tweetable quotes. You know, instead of waiting till until it's all over with and tweeting out a three-page article, tweet out the best moments as they're coming. Essentially, live tweet a press release or live tweet an article. I think that's really the best way to make sure it's optimized for your audience at least. And then people, you you know, essentially, if you watch certain organizations, they will live tweet speeches. Okay, so let's say the speech is covering five topics and they're live tweeting each one of the topics, they get a real-time feedback loop for which one of those topics is the most popular in the moment. And if you lead off the next day with that popular topic, chances are you're gonna get a much larger reach. So I think you know, tweeting things out in the way that people wanna receive them is always the best policy. Great, thank you. Um, the AFP Foundation asks, who uses lists on Twitter? Um, I do. <laughs> Uh, the, the people that use Twitter the best, I think, and this is not a scientific study, because again, I'm no scientist, but 
The people that use Twitter the best are the ones that take advantage of the tools that are in Twitter. Everything you need to know to be successful on Twitter is right there in front of you. We have lists for a reason. You can have tons of them with tons of accounts in each list. If you're using TweetDeck at all, you should be using lists as well because you can very easily import lists into TweetDeck. The people that use Twitter lists are the people that have a lot of content that they want to synthesize and take a look at, but they don't necessarily want to be following 15,000 people. So I think using lists to organize and build on that is incredibly, incredibly powerful. And the people that are successful on Twitter, the organizations that are, use that effectively. Great. Um, Chris McCoy asked, TweetDeck versus Hootsuite, which one is better? Uh, TweetDeck, no doubt, um, for a lot of reasons. Twitter, I mean, I, I recognize the, the benefits of both, but Twitter actually owns TweetDeck. <laughs> So as a result, I mean, I'm not getting a kickback for saying that or anything. I'm just saying Twitter owns SuiteDeck. So any changes that we make are going to be implemented immediately. Hootsuite might be behind the curve a little bit. I know the engagement filters on TweetDeck are incredibly powerful. So if you want to find and surface the best content out there around a particular issue or around a particular hashtag or in a particular list, surface the content that has more than 200 retweets, TweetDeck's your best bet. Um, if you want a platform that's solely dedicated to finding the best Twitter content and using Twitter effectively, TweetDeck's the best. Uh, Joe Jensen has another question for you. Yeah, she right. wants to know how you get personal Twitter accounts verified. You don't. Um, so, I, my, my job is to verify, I mean, I, I work to verify official government and political accounts. The average you know, user, um, with, with very few exceptions, uh, has the ability to be verified. I mean, our CEO is not verified, I'm not verified. But I'm really me. That's a positive. <laughs> um, Alexander Cohen asks, how do you use a personal account to bring people to your work without your employer ending up owning your account? Say that again? Uh, I'm without not your employer entirely sure, but I think he's asking about uh, tweeting for work-related things, how you have a line between uh, employees tweeting about something and the actual brand tweeting about it itself. Uh, I mean, I, I think that obviously will vary on a case-by-case -case basis. I'm, you know, I, obviously my employer encourages me to tweet, so I think um, you know, retweeting is a great way to go. If your employer puts out something that's fantastic and you want to retweet that to your followers, do it. You should all have tweet buttons and follow buttons on your websites as well. You should be incorporating those and using those where instead of you know, necessarily taking others' content, you can actually take content from the website and push that out directly. Um, I personally don't think, unless your employer has a problem with you, you know, tweeting, you know, maybe confidential information, obviously don't tweet that out, but I think for tweeting about what's going on, um, I don't know. I mean, I, think that's, I guess that's case by case. Uh, great. Um, I'm not sure I see any more serious questions, so we'll end on a <laughs> softball there. Well, <laughs> once you hear it, Stephanie Fautnot wants to know what kind of coffee you're drinking today. Uh, right now, it's cold coffee. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, pre previously, it was uh, from at Starbucks. I'd recommend you following that account. Uh, and just, a, you know, regular coffee. No big, no big deal. <laughs> Nothing major. With that, thank you to everyone in our online audience today. We will be transitioning to an off-the-record discussion for those of you here. Um, so what I ask is that everyone in this room, please jump off of Twitter, abandon your smartphones for the next 15, 20 minutes. 
I, I promise it's not that hard. 